All right, so this morning, want to take a break from our Ancient Families Modern Problems series. We'll finish that up next week on Father's Day. We've got one last message out of our Ancient Families Modern Problems series, but every June, uh, we take one Sunday uh, in June, kind of halfway through the year, calendar year, and talk about a little bit of what is going on in the church, what, what lies ahead, where our vision is, where we've come from, where we're going, and so we're doing that this morning. And so if you're a guest or you're a visitor with us, you came on a great Sunday because you kind of hear a little bit about who we are, what we care about, what we do, and why we do it here at Mount Hope. Let me start off by, uh, in this way. Last week, uh, Isaac and I, we walked into the Burlington Mall. Anyone heard of the Burlington Mall? little... <laughs> shopping plaza down the street, Uh, walked into the Burlington Mall, and we walk in, and one of the stores we usually frequent or certainly stop in every now and then, the Apple Store, we noticed, was all boarded up. Some of you might have walked in and noticed that. The Apple Store was all, all boarded up, and and I, it set a sign on it, I think it's for like four or five months or something like that, that it's closed. Uh, and Isaac said to me, you know, what, you know, why is it closed? And I said, well, they must be making some updates. And he said, well, why are they, you know, why are they updating? It was the, one of the, you know, it's one of the most up-to-date, coolest stores in the mall. Why are they, why are they updating the Apple stores? You know, look around, there's plenty of other stores that need updating. And the reason is, and you know, you might know the reason, the reason is because they want to update before someone looks at them and says, they need to update. Right? You want to make that update before somebody says you need to update. It's kind of like a haircut, right? When I get my haircut and I walk into the office, if someone says, oh, you got a haircut, here's what I know. I waited too long to get a haircut <laughs> because what I really want is to get the haircut and for you not even to notice that I got a haircut. Or like the best lawn in your neighborhood, right? The best lawn is the one that always looks like it was almost, it was just mowed. Right? The best, the best lawn looks like it was, it always looks like it was just done. Like you don't even notice. And the same thing is true. So that's why the Apple Store makes these updates, right? The Apple Store updates because it wants to stay relatable to their customers and the people that they are trying to reach. Other stores don't do this. See Radio Shack. Um, <laughs> or not. See Radio Shack. Uh, I, I Listen, Radio Shack didn't update, you know, even their name, Radio Shack. There's nothing about either of those words. That's exciting. Um, but, but they're not updated, right? So Apple's like, we want to update before other people update. But when Apple Store reopens in six months, here's what I know. I know two things. I know two things that'll be true. I don't know what they're doing behind, those, behind that plywood in the wall. But I know two things that'll be true in six months when it reopens. And the first thing that I know will be true is it's going to be cool. I don't know what they're doing. And I'm not even a huge Apple guy. I got some Apple devices, but I'm not like, a, like an Apple disciple. But I know it'll be cool, so I'm going to want to check it out and see what they do and see what they did. Because I know whatever they do, it's going to be something that is going to be interesting and relatable. The second thing I know is that I'm going to walk in there, and they are going to sell iPhones, iPads, and Mac computers. I am not going to walk in there and say, oh, cool, Apple sells couches now. Or, oh, cool, Apple sells refrigerators now. Because I know two things. They're going to stay relevant to their customers, so it's going to be cool, but they're also going to stick to their mission. They're also going to stick to their mission. They're going to make sure that they are relating to the people around them that they're trying to reach, but they're also going to make sure that they never abandon the mission that they exist for. What's true for Apple is also true for churches. It's also true for churches. I hate to see churches 
and Christian schools close, but it happens. We all see it. If you've been, I mean, you, if you haven't seen it around here, maybe you've uh, had the chance to travel the world, and maybe you go through Europe, and you see these beautiful buildings, and they're buildings because they used to contain churches. And, and, and you don't have to go to Europe to see it. You can drive around your neighborhood and probably see it too. We all know places that used to be a place where a church would meet and now is just a building. Happens with Christian schools too. I was talking to my neighbor just yesterday and she was you know, just telling me how sad she was because the Christian school that she uh, sent her kids to is closing this year. And we were talking about how, you know, how difficult it is to have a Christian school. I was telling her about Mount Hope and some of the challenges that, that, that come up. And we all know these stories of Christian schools and churches that close. There's story after story of churches closing. I hear of these buildings that used to contain beautiful, large congregations, and now they're kept alive by an endowment and a few faithful saints that stay in there. And it's true. We hear about these buildings all the time. But Why? I think it's similar to the Apple story. They've either abandoned their mission or they stopped being able to relate to the people they're trying to reach. I think it's usually one or the other. If, you, if you've been a part of one of these situations uh, or you've had to walk in, you, you've been in one, often that's the case. And often the stories I hear, either they lost sight of the mission that they had and they got their eyes on something else, usually become so internally focused that we lose focus externally, or we just totally lost the ability to relate to the people we're trying to reach. So on this Sunday where we take a moment, take a Sunday out of our year to look at some vision, to look at some mission, what we want to do is say, okay, what's the mission that we want to stay faithful to? What is it? Why are we here? What is it that when the cardboard or the, or the plywood comes off that doesn't change? Well, what is it that it stays the same? And then what are some things that when we look at, we say we always need to be improving these things? We need to update these things. We need to look at how we are relating to the people that we're trying to relate to because we were called to a purpose, and the purpose is to be present and to reach and make a difference in the 21st century. Burlington, right where we're at, right where we're living. And God has put us here for a reason. And so let's talk about that. Our mission is to lead people into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, to let them know that there's something far more than religion available, but there is a living relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's our mission. And we are called by Jesus as a church, and all churches are, to make disciples. That's what Jesus said. The last one, some of the last words he gave his followers before leaving, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. But he didn't give a law direct. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, and I'm with you always. He didn't give a lot more direction. He left a lot more up in the air after that. But he said, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to make disciples. So the natural question is, well, what's a disciple? Because there could be a lot of different definitions of that. If I were to tell you, go into all the world and make Bostonians of all nations. (laughs) Now, we might get some very different answers for that, right? One person might say, oh, sure, no problem. You want people who are, you know, who are rude, who are reckless drivers, who don't use their blinka, and who, uh, you know, liberally use, lay on their horn. No problem. You can make people that. 
Or another person will say, sure, you want me to go into the world and make people the smartest people in the world? Because Bostonians are the smartest people in the world, and we know we are, and we think we are. So, or another person might say, yo, you want me to go into the world and teach people to talk where they take the R's off where they belong and put them where they don't belong? Right? So they go out and hunt deer, and they have a lot of ideas. And, <laughs> right? So, you know, you and tell people to go out and make them. So if we're going to say, if Jesus is going to say, go out and make disciples of all nations, the question needs to be, well, what's a disciple? And the answer is, well, what does Jesus say a disciple is? Because if he's the one telling us to make disciples, he's the one that gets to define what a disciple is, what a follower of Jesus is. There are only three times in Jesus' teaching that he says what a disciple is. There's only three times, and they're all in the Gospel of John, that Jesus says, if you do this, you are my disciple. So it's probably pretty important for us to have a good idea what those three things are. So let's look at those scriptures that Jesus defines what it is to be a disciple. The first one is in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I'll put these on the screen, or you can turn in your Bible. If you need a Bible, there should be one in a chair not far from you. Uh, There should be one in just about every other chair. And you can turn. John chapter 8, verse 31. And the first thing that Jesus says is this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. First mark of a disciple, the first thing that Jesus says characterizes a disciple is what? I just gave you the answer, right? Here we go. Abide in my word. Abide in his word, right? So Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Abide is to continue in, to remain in. Abide is to know what Jesus taught. You and I can't claim to be a follower of Jesus and not know his word. Because Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to know, you've got to abide in my words. People try it all the time to be a disciple without knowing the words of Jesus. In fact, maybe you were brought up in a church situation where you were told you were a Christian. You went to church, but you never read the Bible, never understood the words of Jesus for yourself, and it often results in a shallow faith that won't stand through difficult times. That's like saying, I'm a grandmaster chess player, but I make up my own rules when I play. Right? Jesus is saying, if you're going to be a disciple you'll abide in my word. You'll understand what it is to follow me. And so the first characteristic of a disciple is to abide. Jesus did not say you have to be a seminary scholar. He didn't make it difficult. In fact, there's another place where Jesus says, look, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yoke is, another, is, is a word they used in Jesus' time for their teaching, their, their, their teaching yoke or mantle, like a rabbi's teaching was called their yoke. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're trying to carry these heavy burdens and yokes. He didn't make it difficult. He didn't say you have to be a seminary scholar. And yet, knowing the word of God is, is possible for the person with the simplest mind to comprehend and yet can keep the most intellectual person among us busy for a lifetime trying to understand and fathom such as the words of our Lord. 
Read the words of Jesus if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. Spend some time in those words in red in your scriptures. Spend time in there. You can't answer the WWJD question that many of us are familiar with. You know, what would Jesus do? That used to be a popular thing to ask. If you never take time to learn what Jesus actually said. So you have to abide in the word. And that's why the first key word of our model at Mount Hope, ministry, at Mount Hope is learn. The first thing is learn. Because what we do, we gather together on Sunday mornings. One of the primary reasons we gather on Sunday mornings is to learn about Jesus, who he is, and what he did. We believe that a, for a person to follow Jesus, the first thing that they need to do is to learn who he is and what he did. So we need to talk about that. And so our gatherings on Sunday mornings, when we sit here, uh, we are here to worship, we're here to fellowship, all of that, but we're here to learn. We're here to learn about God, we're here to learn from God's word, we're here for God to lead us and to teach us. So the first characteristic is, is to learn, is to abide in the word of Jesus. The second one, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, John chapter 13 Verses 34 to 35. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Love one another. This little section starts out in verse 31 by saying, when he had gone out, Jesus said these words. And I think it's interesting, the when he had gone out doesn't refer to Jesus. It actually refers to Judas. They're sitting at the table at the Last Supper, and Jesus says to Judas, you know, go do what you need to do, and Judas leaves. So at the table is just he and the 11 disciples, the ones who are committed to follow him. And he says to him, guys, listen, the way that people are going to know that you're my followers and you're my disciples is the way that you love one another. A disciple. And we know that a disciple, we know that a disciple is to love God. Jesus said, loving God is the first and most important commandment. We know that a disciple is to, is to love your neighbor. Jesus says that's the second one and the second most important. And according to the parable of the Good Samaritan, we know that our neighbor is anyone who's in need and we have the ability to help that person. And so we're to love God, we're to love our neighbor. But here specifically, Jesus says, by the way that you love each other, People will know that you're my disciple. Jesus is saying, it's not simply good enough. A disciple is not simply a brain on a stick, not simply a scholar with no heart, not simply someone who learns for the sake of gaining knowledge. A disciple of Jesus is to be characterized by love. As followers of Jesus, we're to be known as people who deeply love and who deeply love one another. We love God, we love others, and especially we love each other. Jesus isn't asking his followers to do something that he has not done. In fact, he's asking them to do something he is about to do in the most severe way as he's talking to these guys, which is to lay down his life for them. And he says to them, as I have loved you, now you love one another. That's what the church is. The church is to be 
a people that love each other so deeply. It follows a model of Christ who says, the greatest love you can have is to lay down your life for your friends. Laying down your life for the church. Giving the way Jesus gave to love one another. It's always interesting to note that Jesus does not say, the world will know we are his disciples by how much we know. By how, but by how we love each other. In other words, the community of Christians, the way we love each other, should be so deep and so different that people say, what would make people love each other that way? And the answer will be, oh, them? They're disciples of Jesus. They're followers of Jesus. They may not say it that way. Oh, they're really into that Jesus thing. I don't know, however they say it. But someone, if they were to walk into this room this morning and see the many nationalities and races and ages, and they were to observe us for a while, what Jesus is saying is the way that they see you loving one another ought to cause them to say, what on earth would make people love each other like that? And he said the answer will be because they're disciples of Jesus. And so the second characteristic is not just that we learn, but that we love. And so our model at Mount Hope is to gather to learn, but grow in our love. Love for God, love for others, and love for each other. And I know some of you who are astute are now wondering, is it really going to work out this way that the three letters are going to be the same three things that Jesus said, the three words? Well, if you've been at Mount Hope a while, you know our three words are learn, love, and live. So let's look at the third characteristic that Jesus has of a disciple. The third characteristic that Jesus has of a disciple is this. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. These are the only three characteristics that Jesus gives when he defines a disciple. One who abides in his word, disciples love each other, and disciples bear fruit. And the way we say it at Mount Hope, learn, love, live. That we gather to learn, we grow in our love for God and for others and for each other, and we go and live lives of faith before the world around us. Knowing's not enough. You should exhibit the works in kind with the Jesus that you serve. You plant an orange tree with the expectation that one day it will bear oranges. You follow Jesus. You become a disciple of him. The expectation is that your life lived will look like his. That it will be lived out before him. You are a disciple of Jesus. The expectation is that your life will look like him. It's not just what is done in these four walls on a Sunday morning. But it's the life you live, and I live, outside of these walls. I heard of one pastor that every Sunday at the end of his service, instead of ending the service by you know, letting people go and saying, you are dismissed, he always ends with these words, you are sent. I might start doing that. I like that. You are sent. Because what we have just discussed and what we have just experienced is not 
for this room. What we just discussed and what we experience is for the benefit of the world outside of this room. And so you are sent of God to go out and to bring this hope to the world and across the street. And you are sent, and I am sent, and we have a mission, and we have a job to do. We gather to learn, to grow in our love, but then we go out and live lives of faith for God in the world that he has placed us in. Your neighborhood, your job, your classroom, your home, your family should be different and should be better because you as a Jesus follower are there. Because you who love Jesus and who have been loved by Jesus and experienced the grace of God walk into that situation as a grace receiver and a grace giver, as a person blessed in order to be a blessing, as a person loved who is there to love. And so we make a difference where they are called out to live the life before the people around us. Learn, love, live. It's what we're aiming at as a church. We want to make disciples And a disciple is a person who abides in Jesus' word, who loves others and lives a life of faith in Jesus before the world. But how does that journey start and where does it get cultivated? That's what we do. That's the mission that doesn't change. But how does that journey start for a person? Well, much of the answer to that question is as we gather in a church. Many times I'll hear people's stories and I ask, you know, what's your story? How did you come to Jesus? How did you become a follower of Jesus? How did you become a disciple of Jesus? And a lot of times that story will start with, well, I knew, and then they give me a name. And they'll tell me that person's name, and then they'll say, and then, you know, I was talking to that person, and either they invited me to church or I asked them. You know, hey, what's going on in your life? You know, why are you so different? You know, what do you have? Or sometimes, you know, I was going through a hard time and they offered to pray with me. Usually the pathway starts with a Christian connecting with someone who's not, is someone who's close to God connecting with someone who's far from God. And then often the very next step is, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come, come to church with me on Sunday? And we talked for a few months ago, uh, in, uh, a few months ago I, we had a message called Come and See. That often this is the place, that, that Jesus, you know, when he, it, was, it was like when he often did a healing. Some would say, you know, just come and see the one who healed me. And a lot of times that's the case with us. What is it in your life that's different? Well, why don't you come and see? Come to church with me. And that's often the way the journey goes. Come and see. Come and see what we believe. Come and see what Jesus taught. Come and see how we love each other. Come and see how we live. So our church gatherings, as I said a couple months ago, are believer-focused and seeker-friendly. Focused on believers, we preach God's word, we challenge each other to live out God's word, and yet we want someone who walks in who knows nothing about God to feel this is a friendly and welcoming place for them to come in and also learn about God, see how we love each other, and see what Jesus means by living a life of faith for him. So with that in mind, we're always looking for places to improve. We're always looking for places to do a system update. Always looking for places to say, how can we do this better? Not changing the mission. We're called to learn, love, live. We bring people into a living relationship with God. Uh, with that, that doesn't change, but we're always looking for system updates. And I, uh, maybe you got an email from me this week, and I talked about that. You know, I, uh, it happened last week again, 
and way too soon for, for my liking, but that little red circle on my phone popped up right next to settings. And, and for those of you that you know, have experienced that, you know that means there's a system update available. And, and I am one, I just put that system update off as long as I can often because I know there's bugs in it and they got to work those bugs out first. Uh, but eventually something I want to use stops working and I'm like, all right, update now. Um, and I update the system. Because here's what I know, that my, eventually my phone, my device is going to stop doing what I want it to do if it doesn't update. Eventually my device is not going to be able to accomplish its mission if I don't update it. And so I want it to continue accomplishing its mission, so I make an update. What's true of phones is also true of a church. I want to continue the church. We want to continue our church doing its mission. There's things that times need to update. So let me talk to you about that this morning a little bit, uh, about three things. I want to talk about three things when it comes to updates, improvements, irresistible things. I like the term Andy Stanley uses He says, the church should create irresistible spaces for people to come into to learn about Jesus. I think that's true. Church ought to create irresistible spaces and places for people to come into to hear about and to learn about Jesus. We should always be improving so that we can better relate to the people that we are trying to reach. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about three of those this morning, three opportunities that we're looking at uh, in the next year. Uh, and the first one has to do with our Sunday morning uh, services. And so the first thing the thing we want to do is start a second Sunday morning service. So anyone that needs to groan, just groan right now. Oh, claps. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, uh, I thought that's good to hear claps because usually people are like, oh, I don't I like being, seeing my friends. So if you've clapped, I think you've got an eye on mission and that's good. Um, we need to start a second Sunday morning service. We're looking to do that in the fall. I've mentioned that uh, in a number of places, a number of situations. We're going to do that here in Burlington. We're going to start a second service in Belmont as well. Um, we're going to start two services uh, in both those places. Uh, most likely in this fall, we're going to make that, uh, make that switch. We've got a lot to work out before then. And so you might say, why? Why start a second service? I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to give you a left brain answer and a right brain answer. All right? So if you're a left brain person or you're a right brain person, I'm going to give you both. Here's the left brain, here's the left brain answer. If you're a left brain person and you're a numbers person, let me, let, me, let me give you that answer. 2013 was the last, well, 2014 was the last time we had two services. Um, we were running two services for a number of years, and then in the summer, early summer of 2014, we went down to one service and, and kept it at one service up until today. Um, and so we did that. So let me, give you, let me give you a little bit of data. If you're a data person, here's the data. 2013 was the last year, full year, that we were running two services. And when I go back and look at the attendance numbers for 2013 uh, by the month, 12 out of 12 months, we averaged over 300 people in our Sunday morning service. Uh, 12 out of 12 months, we would average over, th- over 300, and sometimes well over 300, uh, and a couple of those over 400. But the average was over 300 people for 12 out of 12 months. 2014, half the year we're one, half the year we're two, gets 2015, the next full year of one service. Uh, next full year, 2015, one service. Eight out of 12 months, we averaged less than 300 people in 2015. 
8 out of 12 months, we average less than 300. And then you might say, well, there's not necessarily a cause and effect relationship there, Pastor. Maybe we went down to one service because you only needed one service. Well, I thought about that too. And I went back and looked at the numbers. Right before we switched to one service, uh, we had two of our highest months ever. Um, we had, in fact, I went back 20 years. In 20 years' time, back to 1995, more than 20 years, we never averaged two months back-to-back of over 400 people, uh, except for April and May of 2014. And then in June, we went down to one service. And then in 2015, we averaged less than 300 almost every month of that year, except for Easter and Mother's Day month um, and a couple others. Um, And so I look at that and I say, okay, maybe not a cause and effect, maybe not a causation. If that was the only thing I had, I might say, well, maybe not. But the truth is, I hear more and more that churches will say, look, if you want to grow, don't go to two services when you need to. Go when you can um, because you can reach more people that way. And so here's the right brain answer. Here's my right brain answer. My right brain people, how many of you right brain people like going to movies? You like going to movies? Some of you like going, even you left brain people, you like going to the movie theater? Okay. All right. You go to the movies and how many of you are glad when you go on that movie website and you go to pick your time that there's more than one time offered for you to go to the movie? Right. How many of you got, and you will go into that theater, and if it's not opening weekend, you will probably sit in a theater, and it is less than half full, and yet they are running it still. Why? Couldn't they fit everyone in the theater in one time? What's the problem? Well, here's what they know. They know that if they run the movie at multiple times, they'll get more people than if they run it at one time. And so what's true of movies is true of churches at times, that if we... Where there are people that have different schedules and different, and you know it, and I know it, and different reasons for different things. And I don't think we went down in numbers in 2015 because people are like, you go on one service, forget it, I ain't going. I'm like, I don't think that's the attitude. <laughs> what happens is people are like, well, I can't make it. You know, I got this, I got that, I, got, I can't make it anymore. Or something happens, or for one reason or another, it doesn't work. Um, and so you offer more times give more options for more people to be able to attend at a different time, and that's one of the reasons, too. Uh, so that's the, the bottom line is we are here to help more people learn about Jesus. And if offering two services, even though that might be a little harder for us to figure out, offers the opportunity for more people to have more spaces and more opportunities to hear about Jesus, then I say we do it. We update, we improve, and we do it. Um, and, you know, for me, I like preaching one service. I like having you all in one room right before me. I can say everything and everybody hears it. That's great. But I don't think that's the ultimate way for us to be able to make the biggest difference and reach the most people for Jesus in our time. So I think we should make this change. That'll mean we'll need some help. So uh, all of you that are nodding your head and clapping, uh, you'll have an opportunity to help. Uh, you know, you notice this morning, I noticed this morning, our drummer's on vacation. We need two drummers. We have two services. We're going to need more people involved in our worship team. We're going to need more people involved in teaching. We're going to need more people involved in everything that it takes to pull off a Sunday morning. So thank you for clapping. 
but what I'd rather is step up and help. Um, so uh, that would be great. But no, we, we're going to need some help with all of that. Uh, but I really think it's a God move. We're going to do it in Belmont too, uh, make a change there, add some more services, add a different service time there. That one might be on a Sunday morning, might be at a different time during the weekend we're looking at. Um, but, uh, but it's an opportunity to, to meet more people. So first thing, irresistible spaces. We want to create a second service time that's an irresistible space that you can uh, come and, in, and invite your people to. It may not look exactly like the other service, um, but it'll be a space where people can come and see. Second thing we're involved with is group life, new groups. Um, we had this past year, we had about a dozen community groups, many of you who were a part of them. If you were a part of a community group in any way this past year, can you lift your hand? Lift your hand, okay? Part of a community, a lot of you. Okay, good number, thank you. Uh, we want to get more people involved in community groups. Uh, we say learning, so that first part, learning, is great in a setting like this. Learning can take place in large gatherings, but loving takes place in circles. Learning can take place in rows, loving takes place in circles, we can, we can learn a lot in a row while you're staring at the back of someone else's head, but that's not loving. It's hard to love while you're staring at the back of someone's head. Learning takes place in rows. Loving takes place in circles. And so we want more people in groups. Uh, we do our best to try and connect the church in our large gatherings on Sunday morning, but that becomes even harder with two services. We'll, in our prayer time, we'll try and mention when someone is in, in a certain need in a place in prayer so that the church can gather around them. We'll circulate prayer requests. In our loop email, you'll get, we'll have when someone passed away or had a baby, try and keep the body connected. But quite honestly, it doesn't do a very good job of making us feel like a family. If you're going to feel like a family, you want to feel connected, get in a group. And if there's no group that you feel you can connect with, help us start a new group. Because there's someone else that doesn't feel connected that needs a new group. So we had about a dozen groups. That's only, you know, if at the most those are, you know, let's just say they, you know, 10 to 12 people. You know, that's only, that's not even half the church. So we need more groups. We need more groups to help accommodate people and to invite people to. So help us by starting a new group. Help us to encourage group life. Because really that's where the caring takes place. Because if the church is going to grow and it's going to become two service and we're going to impact more people, we still need to care for each other. People still need to be loved and experience that second part of loving each other like no one else loves each other. You need to be in a group where people say, hey, I haven't seen you for a couple weeks. You need to be in a group where someone says, we've been praying for your child. How are they doing? You need to be in a group where they say, we have, you know, how are you doing with that after that lost job or after that sickness or after that diagnosis or your mom's sick or your dad's sick? And we as a pastoral staff, you know, we try and keep track and, and keep in touch with people. But honestly, our feeling is, my feeling is, that's what the church is supposed to do. We are supposed to love one another. The primary job of the pastor, Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And here's where churches sometimes get it wrong. They think they hire a pastor to do ministry. But a church hires a pastor to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so we are to love one another. We're to care for one another. Um, and so uh, that's it. Yeah, you do the ministry, I'll keep you well fed. That's kind of the deal we make. Um, but that's, that, that's what it's about. So get in a group. Start a group, new group. Third thing. Third thing we need to do is sometimes, one thing, uh, the building. So facility improvements, constantly improving, constantly updating irresistible spaces. So if you're going to tell people to come and see, 
You know, what we want to make sure is nothing they come and see gets in the way of them seeing Jesus. We want to make sure that everything that they do puts them in a place where all they need to do is to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. That's why we meet indoors and have air conditioning. I mean, right? I mean, we could meet anywhere. We don't have to pay rent. We could meet outdoors and, you know, on a day like this. And then you tell your neighbor, hey, come and see. And they're like, no, thanks. <laughs> it's kind of hot today. So we try and create spaces where people are comfortable where they come and see. And so we try and create irresistible spaces for that to take place and for that to happen. It's, again, uh, you know, we're not Apple. We've got a more important mission than Apple, but even Apple knows that you've got to create a space. You know, I told you a couple months ago, there's an irresistible space that, that opened. There's a lot of irresistible spaces in Burlington. I love going to the new restaurants and just looking around because they spend millions of dollars trying to figure out what is going to connect with people. And I just like, I'm not going to, I can't spend millions of dollars, but I can steal your ideas. And I just, I just walk around and look around and say, yeah, that's cool. You know, um, and, and I'll take your market research and just integrate it. Uh, but there's irresistible spaces in Burlington. And one of them, and I mentioned a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite places to go is Pressed Cafe. But I'll tell you what, I will not go to Pressed Cafe at 12 o'clock and meet someone there for lunch. It's too crowded. I can't get in. It's an irresistible space. So if I'm meeting someone for lunch, I'm either meeting them before 12, after 12, or someplace else. But they have created... An, why? Because they're the only ones that, you know, that sell uh, you know, juice and shakes and paninis? Of course not. Plenty of places you can get a panini at. Something about that. They've created an irresistible space. Um, and so we create irresistible spaces. We want to be able to do that in our building. And so we do that in a number of places. There's a lot of places that need system updates and improvements. We try and make those on a regular basis. Uh, we build some of those into our budget, some of those into our operating budget. But the truth is there are things that you look around, you're like, we need to do something about this. And if we wait to do it in our operating budget, it's going to be a long time. Because we got other things to do, um, and so we need to do some other things. So in the next year, so on this Sunday in June, uh, what we've said is we're going to share just some projects we'd like to do over the next 12 months. And uh, so this year, uh, there's three projects uh, that we want to do over the next 12 months. We want to get done to help create irresistible spaces, help it to be a come and see, and honestly, just things that need to get done. And uh, so the first uh, one, which is really, uh, first two, which is really one, uh, is a very resistible space in our building. <laughs> you guys better not rec- recognize this space. Um, but uh, this is the ladies' room. Uh, and, uh, and that's those, as far as, I've been here a long time. Now, Gary and Phyllis LaForda here, they've been here longer than me. They're visiting from Florida today, and they were, Gary was an elder, and they were here for years. They were here longer than me. There's some others that were here for years. Yeah. Welcome, man. So they've been here for a long time, too. They might remember. As far as I can remember, as far as I can tell, uh, those, uh, sinks are vintage 1960 sinks that were installed at the last improvement um, in 1960 when the building was built, um, as in the mirrors and some of the... Yeah, we did some... The ladies' room at least has new tile, uh, which is nice. But we've got some pictures of the men's room, too. Uh, this... Yep, ladies, I know. Yeah, that's even worse, right? This is a very resistible space. There's more, I think. Uh, yep, there's a vintage 1960 faucets. 
Uh, and I, I'm sure this is the first time I've shown a urinal on a Sunday morning in church. But here you go. Because your friends, when you invite them to church, they'll probably have to use the bathroom at some point. And they enter, let's just change that picture, guys. There's got to be something else there. We'll go to that one next. They enter a very, we'll go, I'll talk about this one in a second. They enter a very resistible space. So we need to update the bathrooms. The last time they were updated was, I think, 1960. Uh, we had some new tile in the ladies' room. That's nice, but it needs, it's not good. And you know why? Because when you go to a restaurant or go someplace, and you go and you use the restroom, and you come back to the table, you know, you'll often say one of two things. You'll say, have you seen the restrooms? And you could mean either thing by that, right? You could mean, don't go to the restroom. Or you could mean, wow, he's got some unbelievable restrooms, right? And it says something about it because you pay attention to details. I remember some of the nicest restrooms I think I ever saw, I was ever in, was at uh, Richardson's Ice Cream and Golf Course in Middleton. Anyone ever been there? You walk, yeah, you walk into Richardson's Ice Cream. I don't know why. I don't, it's a mini golf place, and I have no idea why they spend so much money on their bathrooms. But you walk in, it's like marble tile, and it's like, you just don't expect it at a mini golf place. And I'm like, have you seen the bathrooms in this place? But I go to a nice restaurant, I always check out their bathrooms. I always want ideas. I always want to know what they're doing. I always want to know what they're looking at. I always want to know how they're doing it, what they're designing, what they spent money on, what they think people are doing. So, you know, uh, and, you know, again, you walk in and your friends are like, oh, man, that's, you know. And we do our best to keep them up. And we got a great crew that tries to keep them up and does our best. But, you know, I'm glad we don't have smell-o-vision um, and things like that because, you know, it could be better. We can do better. We can do better. Uh, let's put it that way. Another resistible space, another space. Uh, so we want this year to, um, to create an adult learning space um, that is a first-class, really place, irresistible space for adult learning in classes. And you would think, we've got a building of 20 classrooms here. We've got plenty of classroom space, an adult learning space. Well, here's the, here's the deal. I love that we have a Christian school here in our building. The school is one of our largest ministries and greatest connections to our community. This past week, I got the chance to speak at our fifth grade graduation. Mrs. Driscoll, 23rd year you just completed as principal, 22 year as principal, head of school. 22 years as head of school. We have got a fantastic school. I love that 315 kids are walking through these hallways Monday through Friday. I love, we have more people who don't know Jesus who walk through these halls Monday through Friday than many churches will get on a year's worth of Sundays that don't know Jesus walking through their halls. Because we have kids, we have families in our community uh, who come into here who pay us, who pay us to teach their children about Jesus. I mean, think about that. Most churches are trying to figure out how can we get, we will pay people to come in here to listen to us tell them about Jesus. We have people who will pay us to teach their children about Jesus. I love our school. 
I love the families of our school. I love the opportunities to be able to impact our school. I think we've got the great, greatest teaching staff around. I think our preschool and elementary staff in our building is second to none. And I love that these children hear the gospel several times throughout the year. Uh, Mrs. Driscoll will sit down with our kids, read them the gospel story several times of the year. At the fifth grade graduation, I got a chance to talk to our 13 graduates and hear them talk about their spiritual encounters with Jesus this past year. Love our school. Uh, we have great kid-appropriate spaces. What that means is we don't have very many adult-appropriate spaces, um, which is good. We want to grow our school. So we've got some adult-appropriate spaces. You're sitting in one of them, uh, and the other one is across the foyer. Other than that, we have some awesome kid spaces because we have professional teachers who are decorating them and gearing them to the right age group but we have very few that you could bring your friends and say, hey, come on to this class, and they walk in, and they're like, that, that's, you know, that's just a great space. So 113, we have set aside is, as not a classroom. This is going to be a first-class kind of adult classroom meeting space. Here's what it looks like now. It's kind of a resistible space. Uh, we've got some other pictures uh, that are there. Uh, ceiling needs some work. Um, and... There's uh, maybe, a, that's the last one there. But so we want to, what we want to do is we want to create a space there that we can go, you go to base camp class, um, you, go to, um, you go to base camp, you go to start lunch, you go to these other places that when you bring a friend, so you invite someone to church and they come and they start coming and they say, okay, now let's go to base camp. That's our entry level course, six week startup course. And you say, well, I'm going to go with you to base camp. We want you to be able to walk into a room and feel good about bringing your guests and your friends into that room and into that space. I want to be able to, when group, when you come and you say, you know what, I want to have a prayer meeting, then we say, you know what, we've got a space for that. That's a great space for that. Or I want some of you a part of other, you know, missions and organizations outside the church. You're saying, oh, this group, we just need a place to meet. You know, I want to have a place. You say, we've got a great place for you to meet come in and meet and have that space. So we want to do everything from, you know, imagine walking in and, you know, the flooring is right, the lights are right, the tables, the chairs, there's a countertop with Keurig coffee makers on there, and, and you're just, you know, it's a space that you know is set aside for that particular purpose. Our precepts class, Bible study, has a place where they have, uh, that's right, it's outfitted with audio, video, and everything that needs to be. So some of that may be minimum. You might say, well, that's, that's what should be expected, and it should be expected, but we just don't have it right now. So we need that. We do have some irresistible spaces. There's some great pictures of some irresistible. So this is the, the bathroom in our Family Life Center is much better, much nicer than the bathrooms in this building. You can see the other. There's the ladies' room, Family Life Center. Those are great spaces. We, those are great. That's what they should look like. Um, those are, those, that's what our, all of our facilities should look like. Uh, we've got some other pictures. You know, this is the ladies' tea a few weeks ago. Creates an irresistible space in our Family Life Center where you come into and you're like, that is a great space. I feel welcome. Uh, I feel loved. You know, and we're going to do something for the, for the men's breakfast this Saturday. Same tables, less pink. Um, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be set up, something like that. So, but it's going to be great. Uh, and then, uh, so these are just pictures. We have some great spaces in our building uh, that I think we've created that are great spaces. The last one, uh, Cafe, I think is a great space. It's, uh, it's a great place to invite people. So... Let me close out by this. You have a connection card you were given on your way in. Please pull that out. Um, So you've heard kind of our mission. You've heard our vision. uh, Kind of just some things we want to accomplish in the next year in order to help us to reach more people. If you turn over the back of that card, at the bottom of the prayer card, 
there's a place for call to commitment. And it said, I would like to. And you can start with help with starting a second service. Develop or lead a community group. We're always improving building project, giving to the always improving building project. So I would like to give a certain amount over the next 12 months, or I would like to give a one-time gift. Um, And so that giving is from July, starting in July, going through June of 2018. I should tell you how much we think these will cost. So to do the two bathrooms and the adult classroom the way it should be done, uh, the numbers we're getting, uh, right about $70,000, which sounds like a lot. But if you've ever done like a bathroom renovation in your own house, to do two pretty large bathrooms and uh, uh, totally redoing an adult classroom space, uh, it's actually, when you think about it, uh, I think we're, uh, we're doing some of the work ourselves and, and, and pretty reasonable to get it done for $70,000. But $70,000 is not, we have, you say, well, what about the money in our regular budget? We have other projects we have to do. Um, we have to put a, dis- a divider in the Family Life Center in order to free up that room for the adult learning space. We have a stairway down here that is falling apart that needs to be fixed. We've got parking lot repairs that need to be made. We've got rooms that need to be tiled. There's, all, there's computers that need to be updated. All kinds of projects that are always on our list. So if we want to get these things done that aren't always on the list, um, so they take some extra, uh, extra ability to give and to get it done. So about $70,000. The good news is we've got, um, this past year, we got some um, extra gifts that we did not expect to get, so the, uh, which is unusual, which is wonderful. And the good news is that, uh, so these commitments are over 12 months. But if we get the money in commitments, I'm fairly certain because of some cash we have available, we'll be able to start the projects based on the commitments. We won't have to wait for all the money to come in. So if you commit and you're able to say, look, I I can give between July 1 and and June 30th of 2018 this amount, and we collect those and we say, look, we've got the 70,000, let's green light these projects. Um, We've got cash available that can help us to do that. It's just not... Uh, available. In other words, we can't just remove that from our cash reserves forever. It needs to be replenished. It has a purpose in our budget. But we have some cash there that could help us to get this done that we can get things started with. Um, so that's the good news. So I'm asking you to think, pray about this. You may say, hey, I wasn't ready to make a commitment today. You need a week to think about it. I can certainly understand that. Let me just say this finally before we receive our offering. Maybe you're here and you think, I knew it. The church is always asking for money and all they want is my money. Uh, let me just say, if you come a few weeks, we don't, that's, uh, we are, uh, that's not what we're all about here at Mount Hope, but I would say this, uh, we want something more valuable than your money, and so does Jesus. Uh, he wants your life and your heart, and uh, God doesn't need our money, uh, but we give. So at Mount Hope, we will, uh, three things I will unashamedly and always ask you to give to. There may be other things, little things here and there that we give to, but there are three things that as a pastor on a Sunday morning from this pulpit that I will unashamedly and also always ask you to give to. One is to uh, is the tithe, the Lord's tithe, the biblical giving to the Lord, the, the first 10% of what we have as a way of worship and thankful and recognizing that all of, it, all of it is from Him. It's worship to God, it's faith in God to provide the rest of it and to use the 90% uh, to be able to meet all my other needs. I will always promote uh, tithing uh, as one. The second thing is global outreach. We will always ask you to give to missions. 
because the gospel needs to go around the world. And if we don't support missions partners in countries where there is no gospel representation, they have no way of being supported there. And other missionaries in this country will always ask you to give to Global Outreach. And the third thing, which is today, is vision. I will always, we were always asked to move the mission and vision forward. We've got to move the mission and vision forward, and we've got to always be updating and always be improving because I don't want to be one of those churches that people say, well, there's the building that church used to meet in Um, because we need to always be uh, in that place where we are looking out and reaching new people. So second service, group life, improving our facilities, all ways that we are looking to do that. They're not the only ways. But they are the ways uh, that uh, looking at in this next 12 months to do that as God's leading us. So I'm sure you have more questions. Happy to talk with you about it. But that's what I can present on a Sunday morning. Look, we're here because we want more people to know about Jesus. People around the block and people around the world. That's our commitment. We're called to make disciples. So we left the offering till the, uh, till the end of the service. And I'm going to ask our music ministry to return And I'm going to ask the ushers to just hang in the back for a minute because people may need to think, pray about their commitment. And then after maybe the first verse, you guys can come forward and start receiving the offering. But I want to give a chance for um, you, maybe if you're here with a spouse, maybe to talk it over with your spouse. Uh, Allow God to speak with you about what you can give, what you're able to do, and your commitment. You know, if you want to help us start that second service, what that's going to mean. Maybe you've got a gift you can share. Maybe you can be a part of our music ministry. Maybe you can be a part of our teaching team. It may mean coming early or staying later. What's that commitment? You want to start a group? You may need to talk to your spouse or someone say, how about opening up our house? How about us teaching? How about us doing it? You know, so think about that. Or you want to give. What can we give to support this mission and this vision that God is doing? Lord, we love you. God, we worship you. Father, I pray for each and every one of the men and women, not only in this room, but that call Mount Hope home here and in Belmont, those here this morning and those that are not able to be here this morning. Lord, may we be a church that is unashamedly and completely committed to the mission of reaching people and telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ. May we be a people that loves each other deeply and may we be a people that lives out our faith fully. And so God, would you speak to us, Lord? Would you speak to us and help us to know how you would have us be a part of the vision of continuing moving this vision forward of reaching people, helping them learn, love, and live this walk with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.